This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Hi, friends. I'm so glad you're here for Calvary Online. I'm John. Hey, thanks for hanging with us through Hebrews. I know the last few messages have been filled with lots of background, and we've been studying all of this Old Testament stuff we're maybe not used to, but I hope it's been helpful for you. It's been so good for me to get to study it with you. And I'm especially excited today because I feel like we get a little bit of a payoff for all the work we've been doing in chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10. We've been kind of deeply theological and maybe it's felt a little abstract, but today, I hope, we're going to be able to be a little more practical. So grab your Bible with me and turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. By the way, if you have no idea where Hebrews is in the Bible or reading the Bible is new for you, I'm so happy you're here with us. We open the Bible at Calvary because God has spoken to us through the words that are in it. And if God has spoken, we want to listen. All right. Hebrews is in the second half of the Bible, which is called the New Testament, right towards the end. It's before you get to the book of James and right before first and second Peter. I'm going to assume today you've been keeping up with us during our series in Hebrews, which we've called Greater Than. If you've missed a couple messages, you might consider getting caught up. We'll put a link in the description below to a playlist with all of our messages from this series. There are three sections of verses in the rest of chapter 10. We're going to spend most of our time together today in verses 19 through 25. But let's orient ourselves around the remaining parts of chapter 10. Verses 26 through 31 are another warning passage. There are five warning passages in Hebrews. In chapter 2, the warning was, don't drift. In chapter 3 to 4, it was, don't doubt. Chapter 5 to 6 said, don't be dull of hearing. And here in chapter 10, it's, don't deliberately sin. Especially considering all that we have learned about who Jesus is and what he has done. If sin is so serious that it takes the Son of God to save us from it, how could we deliberately sin? That's verses 26 through 31. 32 through 39 are an encouragement to endure suffering. You'll remember that this formerly Jewish and now Christian audience in the first century was experiencing problems in their lives because of their newfound belief in Jesus. Our author reminds them that dealing with suffering requires endurance, confidence, compassion for others, and joy. Now, let's shift our attention to verses 19 through 25. In this original letter, these seven verses were one long run-on sentence. So it's one thought, a reaction to what we've learned about Jesus through the previous chapters. Verses 19, 20, and 21 say this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, and then it goes on to describe our reaction to what we've learned 
about Jesus. But these are the themes we've been looking at through the last several chapters. A summary of them. The holy places or sanctuary, the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice, and our great high priest, Jesus. All about what he's accomplished. His achievement for you and for me. And because of his achievement, verse 19 says that we can have confidence. Confidence to enter the holy places. Before Jesus came, it was just the high priest who could enter the holy places. And only once a year. And only with a sacrifice. But now, we can enter the holy places because of the blood of Jesus. Not an earthly shadow or copy of the holy places, but we can confidently enter the true holy presence of God in heaven because of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Boldly walking into the presence of God. That's confidence. Do you think the high priest was ever intimidated to walk behind the curtain back in the day, carrying blood to sprinkle on the Ark of the Covenant? And if we have found salvation through belief in Jesus, we need nothing to enter God's presence. Just faith in him. So we can be confident because of Christ's achievement. And now, in verses 22 through 25, I want to show you three reactions to Christ's achievement. Verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Draw near. That's our first reaction, to draw near to God, to come close, again, into his presence confidently because of Christ's achievement. Notice that, the, that those who draw near have a true heart, it says. Those who can draw near to God have experienced what Jesus described as being born again. And when that happens, our hearts are remade from hard hearts of stone to soft hearts of flesh. True hearts. Remember in chapter 8 and then repeated again in chapter 10 during that long quote from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, God had promised to put his laws into our minds and to write them on our hearts. This is the true heart of the human who can confidently draw near to God, one who has been born again and now has a true heart. And when we draw near, we don't draw near in fear, but we draw near by faith. In full assurance of faith, it says. Next time we're together, we'll talk a lot more about faith in chapter 11. But verse 6 of chapter 11 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We need faith to draw near to God. Faith is a gift given by God to those who believe in Jesus. And we can be fully assured of our faith, totally and completely confident in it. So, let us draw near. And, as verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. 
Does this language feel familiar to to draw near and hold fast? In chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, holding fast and drawing near were like the introduction to this central section of Hebrews. And now we're at the conclusion. It's kind of like a five-paragraph essay. You know, in the introduction, you tell them what you're going to tell them. Then in the body of what you're writing, you tell them. And then in the conclusion, you tell them what you told them. And this is exactly what our author is doing. So we've, as we've been studying through the last several chapters, we find the point of Hebrews in this. Two of our reactions to Christ's achievement. Draw near and hold fast. Hold fast to the confession of our hope, it says. Cling to what we know to be true about Jesus. So don't hold on to lesser things. Don't build your life around anything or anyone that is lesser than Jesus because he is greater. Greater than any problem we face, greater than anyone we imagine. There are so many temptations today to hold on to lesser things, to hold fast or cling to wealth, to hold on to to power, to hold fast to a person to hold fast to our work, to hold fast to fitness, to hold fast to health. But because of Christ's achievement, we can hold fast to our confession of hope. We return over and over again to what has been revealed about Jesus in the scriptures. We remind ourselves of God's promises, and we hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. We're not blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but we are rooted in what's real and true about the Son of God. There have been so many wonderful promises of God that we've been reminded of in Hebrews. That whole prophecy from Jeremiah filled with amazing promises. And remember, he who promised is faithful. So let's hold fast our confession of hope without wavering. And verse 24 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I mean, we're so good at stirring up people in our culture today, aren't we? We get stirred up all the time, stirred up about sports, stirred up about politics, stirred up about laws we like or don't like, masks or no masks, vaccines or no vaccines, and the church in America is getting pulled into these cultural controversies and it's leading to division, not only in our culture, but in churches. Let's just remind ourselves what we are called to stir one another up to. Love. Love. Just imagine what a difference it might make if we spent more of our time stirring each other up to love rather than stirring each other up around the latest controversy. I'm not saying we shouldn't have strong opinions, but what is supposed to define us as followers of Jesus? Love. Love for one another. Love for the world. Love for Christ. I just don't think most people in our country, when asked to describe a Christian right now, would use the word love. There are certainly reasons for that that might be outside of our control, but wouldn't you agree that we could all stir one another up to love just a little bit more. That's what we're about at Calvary, building Christ-centered communities of people who are fully devoted to loving God and loving others. And by the way, according to our text, love isn't just a feeling. It's 
an action. It says here, love and good works. Good works are the visible demonstration of love. We make love practical by showing it through good works. At Calvary, we think good works are one of the most critical ways that we can reach a culture that is increasingly opposed to Christ and his purposes. And we think that good works help us to share the love of God with other people. We say this, that good works or good deeds lead to goodwill with a person or an organization or a community. And that goodwill leads to a platform for us to be able to share the good news. So let us stir one another up to love and good works. And don't miss that this isn't some sort of like isolated experience. We're called to do this for one another, to encourage one another, to be loving and to demonstrate that love through good works. Christianity is a team sport. We're not playing golf here. We're together in this. We are building Christ-centered communities. Verse 25 says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I recognize that for many of us, COVID has made it more difficult to stir each other up because we haven't been able to meet together. But I've been so proud of many of you who have jumped into an online life group or are connecting with other believers by Zoom or in other ways. We need each other, my friends. I won't share all of the details, but one of our friends who worships with us each week through Calvary Online has been leading a group of folks from Calvary to care for a young mom who's going through a crisis gathering a group virtually to pray and to stir each other up to love her and her family and to provide and to minister. It's beautiful. And I'm so proud to be part of a church that loves one another, especially in difficulty and suffering when we need it most. If we can help you get connected with others, we would love to do that. You can click the link in the description below to share with us how you're currently connected or not connected at all. And we'd love to help you find other people, one another that you can gather with and encourage each other. Now, I'd like to share with you a way that all of us can demonstrate love and good works coming up soon. Each Christmas at Calvary, we do a project together as a church that we call the Heart of Advent. It's our chance to express love and do good works in our world. And we do it because God has loved us by giving us his son. So we work together with our teams to identify needs globally and locally, and we try to help. This year, we're going to support refugees from Afghanistan who are resettling across the Denver metro area by providing furnishings for their apartments, by training up teams of mentors from Calvary who will help these families acclimate to our state and to our culture, and by giving financially to support and help these families as they get settled here. We're also continuing our long-term partnership with Step Seminary in Haiti, as you know, there have been a series of crises in Haiti, and amazingly, Step Seminary is experiencing increased enrollment despite what's happening there. And they've asked us if we might be able to help them in a few critical ways. 
Some of the professors there are getting to the age where they're going to age out of being able to teach. And the seminary has identified multiple leaders who are connected to the seminary who could step into some of these roles. So we're going to invest in the training and development of three future professors who could minister there and then also care for the leadership of the seminary through a much-needed retreat early next year. Plus, our campuses in Boulder, Erie, and Thornton each have a local project to help meet needs in their communities. Every dollar we receive towards the heart of Advent will go out into the world and into our communities to demonstrate the love of God through good works. You can find out more about how you can participate and how you can give to the heart of Advent by clicking this link in the description below or by heading to calvarybible.com slash heart of Advent. Draw near, hold fast, stir up. These are our reactions to Christ's achievement. There's always a reaction to an achievement. If the buffs are double-digit underdogs and they win a double-overtime thriller, the students storm the field. Remember when the Broncos used to win Super Bowls? Yeah, we would close down the city and throw a parade. When a student graduates from high school, we celebrate their achievement by hosting a graduation party. How much greater is the achievement of Christ for you and for me? The death of the Son of God, so that we might live forever with Him. Draw near through faith, hold fast to hope, and stir up one another in love and good works. That was the call to followers of Jesus in the first century, and it's our calling today. Today, my friends, is our day. If we can help you draw near or hold fast or stir up, would you let us know? We'd love to help. We need each other, maybe now more than ever, and we need you because we're better together. If you haven't yet made a decision to draw near to God by faith in Jesus, we would love for you to make that decision. And I would encourage you to reach out to God and ask him. You can confidently draw near to God's presence because of what Jesus has accomplished on your behalf. And he freely offers it to you. He laid his life down for you so that you might live forever with him. And because of what he has done, there's, there's really nothing that you need to do. There's no place you need to go. There's no sacrifice that needs to be offered. It is finished because of Jesus. And so the call of God for you, my friend, is to put your trust and your faith in Jesus to believe that he is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead and that through his death and resurrection, you can have new life. And if you just simply speak those words to Jesus in faith and say, I believe you are the son of God, would you save me? He is faithful. He promises to be just, to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then you can join with believers throughout history even those in the first century who confidently drew near to God through faith. And you can join with believers today and say, I am part of the family of God. I have drawn near to the throne of grace and mercy because of the sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. If you've made that decision today, would you reach out to us and let us know? We'd love to help you and help you in your journey of following Jesus. There's no better decision you can make than to draw near to God through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. 
Our Father, we give you thanks for the achievement of Jesus Christ, for all that he has accomplished for those who put their faith in him. And God, now would you help us to be your people today who draw near confidently to the throne of grace, who hold fast to our confession of hope revealed to us in the scriptures. And would we also stir one another up to love and good works so that others may know about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the Son of God came from heaven to the earth to save people from their sins. We give you thanks, God, for the gift of your Son, and we pray that as we live our life, we would do so confidently, knowing who he is and what he has done and how you've called us to live. We pray all of this in the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Glad you were with us for Calvary Online today. Would you do us a favor? Click the subscribe button, like this video, and share it with a friend. It helps more people find Calvary Online. Next time, we're going to turn the page to chapter 11, and it's all about one thing, faith. In fact, the last verse of chapter 10, verse 39, sums it up this way by saying, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Grace to you and peace. We'll see you next time.